about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Hi, I'm Ken, uh, and tonight's Bible reading comes from John 3, 1 to 21, and the page is up on the screen over there. So John 3, 1 to 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Hey everybody, my name is Nick. Let me just grab a stand. Uh, we may not have met before. This is my first time at CIG, so if you want to welcome a new person, um, I'll just move this over. Yeah. It's great to be with you. Um, hope you've had a good weekend. I think it's, it's grand final weekend this weekend. I'm not a sports guy, so I don't really know what's happening with sports, that sort of thing. Anyone watch the, was the AFL grand final on Saturday, I think? 
I know a few fans, maybe not. <laughs> wrong crowd. The wrong crowd. Um, I had, uh, this weekend I had lunch with uh, my parents yesterday, which is awesome, my uncle. He turned 65 or something like that. Um, and the weekend before, I uh, caught up with my brother, which is awesome. We don't really get to hang out with each other much these days. We were quite tight growing up, my brother and I. Um, but then once we, we left home, uh, we started, um, like, you know, life got in the way. We were still mates, but we, you know, we got busy both working full-time after uni, and uh, we just didn't see each other that much. So we decided to um, watch a crummy movie that we were sort of like, like, some movies you have disagreements on, but this was a crummy movie we both liked. Um, and uh, we decided to watch this movie uh, once a year, we'd get together, get some chips, uh, have a beer, and we'd get together and we'd watch this movie, and it was like a commitment. We did it for like five years. Uh, it kind of, it's kind of dropped off now, unfortunately. But the movie was A Knight's Tale. Um, I don't know if that's a blast from the past for you. It's over 20 years old. Um, and uh, it's essentially a story uh, that follows the classically romantic hero's quest, uh, where despite the class status of William Thatcher, uh, played by the late Heath Ledger, as a, pe as, a pe <coughs> me, as a peasant boy, the ambitions of his heart yearn for greater things than being a peasant. Um, he, wants, uh, he yearns for greater things, for knighthood, nobility, greatness. Uh, his father calls this changing his stars, uh, changing his destiny. Uh, as the story progresses, uh, William overcomes many challenges um, and uh, demonstrates that though his ancestry may not be noble, nonetheless, his heart is noble. And the story concludes with him being knighted on this basis, reaching his destiny, and so changing his stars as his father wanted for him. It's a good story, I like it. I think it's got 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so not doing too well. It wasn't a great, super great commercial success. I enjoy it. Um, but the film is essentially an origin story, and it asks the question, how does this person become that person? It asks how our hero, hero went about fulfilling his destiny. The film's answer is essentially that William became who he is by trusting his heart, no matter what, he trusted his heart. And the heart, I think, is an interesting thing to think about. Um, it's the word that we all use today for kind of that uh, spiritual or moral center of a person. Um, and the Bible uses the language of the heart roughly the same way. Um, and I'm, I'm no cultural analysis expert, but it seems to me that the message of a knight's tale is kind of basically the air we breathe today. Um, in mass media, the main message, or a main message maybe, is often that for us to become who we are meant to be, we simply need to trust our hearts no matter what. And as I've been thinking hard about our passage in John 3, uh, it's occurred to me that this passage gives us the origin story, not of William Thatcher, but of a Christian. Your origin story, if you are a believer. But to become who God wants us to be, to live out the destiny God wants for us, the way this happens is not by following your heart, but it's about God 
giving you a new heart. And to help us see this, I've broken up sections of the passage into three main principles on your outline, which uh, you can see there. Um, they kind of, you'll, you'll notice they're kind of sim quite similar points. Um, a third year Bible college student, I'm learning how to preach still, so bear with me. Um, first, you can't fix yourself, but God can. Uh, second, you can't save yourself, but God can. Third, you can't change yourself, but God can. Uh, the passage itself is a conversation between Jesus and a Jewish religious leader called Nicodemus. Now, just to flag, um, Nicodemus, I think he's a fascinating character, one of the most complicated characters in John's Gospel. Um, and although I'll be mentioning him a bit, because, well, he's in the passage, um, I'm not going to go into much depth about him. Um, but he's an interesting guy, um, but that's just a flag, sorry about that. If you're interested in him, I won't be talking about Nicodemus that much. Um, so first, you can't fix yourself, but God can. If fixing needs to happen, it, I guess it sounds a bit like, like, oh, is there, is there a problem with me? Maybe it's a bit offensive to say someone needs fixing. Um, but if fixing needs to happen, something must be broken, right? Uh, Jesus makes this assumption when he says to Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Jesus expands further on this in verses 5 and 6. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. It's hard to think of language, really, that gives a more devastating assessment of our condition than the language of being born again. Um, a new birth is literally the creation of a new life. It's an image of a change so fundamental it's as if you were becoming someone completely different, something completely different. It's kind of like someone else gave birth to you or is to give birth to you instead of your mother. You know, it, it's this, you are a new thing. Um, and what that, what that implies, you know, what's, what's broken about us so that this degree of radical new birth is needed to enter the kingdom of God? It implies something's broken. And what's broken? is our hearts. You see this when Jesus prescribes the solution in verse 5, that we must be born of water and the Spirit. Jesus links this metaphor of birth to water and Spirit. Nicodemus in verse 10 is supposed to be Israel's teacher, but he totally misses the fact that Jesus is referencing a promise God made to his people, a promise to, to do something to them in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26. I don't have it on the screen. You don't have to flick there. It's a quick, quick verse. Just listen in. I will sprinkle, God promised this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, water, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Our world tells us to follow our heart, but the Bible says that our heart by nature is broken, corrupt. It's dead to God and unfeeling toward him, like a stone. The image of birth, therefore, is an image of a radical new beginning. Think about this with me again. Like, 
Birth is literally an image of an entirely new beginning. A new person enters the world. Jesus says, born again, but really a better understanding of this is the idea of being born from above. It's the image of the Holy Spirit of God coming from above to make your heart, which is dead like a stone to God, come alive. It's the image of God's Holy Spirit coming like water to wash away the impurity in your heart so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. Being spirit-born from above is not less than a fresh start. But you can see, can't you, the image is so much more than that. It's so much more than a fresh start. It radically reconstitutes you into a new creation. In contrast, our experience of life shows us that some people seem to do quite well in life by following their hearts and without this spiritual new birth. In a night's tale, things work out pretty well for William Thatcher. He follows his heart as a peasant boy and ends up being knighted. But if what Jesus says is true, this is not the destiny God wanted for him. Following his heart did not lead William to the destiny of connection and peace with God that he was created to have. His heart leads him to a lot of good things in the film, but it doesn't lead him to God. If you're a Christian, do you know that being born of the Spirit is your origin story? Do you know that God has done something radically new in your heart? He has made your heart live again toward him. It's something none of us can fix ourselves. If you're a Christian, God has fixed you up in the sense that he has birthed in you by his spirit a new heart that wants to know God, wants to praise him, wants to thank him, wants to call upon him, and wants to live for him. If you are not yet a Christian, the wonderful news here is that this fresh start with God, this new heart from the Holy Spirit, can be yours too. There was nothing special about me when... I was born from the Spirit and became a Christian when I was 15. I had the same broken heart toward God that you do. But being born of the Spirit is something that happened to me, and it can happen to you. The question that arises here then is, how? How does this happen for a Christian? How did this happen for me? How how does this new birth by the Holy Spirit take place? If we can't do it ourselves, how is it that we become born from above? If we want to realize God's destiny for our lives instead of our own fanciful dreams, surely this must be the most important question in the world. But I'm curious, when I just asked how we can be born again, how are you now already instinctively answering this question? Is there a chance that the first thing which piped up was your heart Possibly with the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, You can do it. You you can't do it. You can't fix yourself. Being born is an essentially passive experience. Um, When my daughter was born, she did not birth herself. Someone else was doing all the work. Uh, It wasn't me. Um, And birth from the Spirit is no different. Being born is an essentially passive experience. This leads us to the next principle in the origin story of a Christian. You can't save yourself, but God can. 
And Jesus references a strange story to explain this in verse 14. Jesus mentions, of all things, a snake being lifted up in the wilderness. This is from the scriptures in uh, Numbers 21. There's a brief story, only four verses long, where Israel is being led by God through the wilderness to the promised land after being rescued by God from slavery in Egypt. God miraculously provided for them food and water during this time, but the Israelites began to despise God and his gifts. So God sent venomous snakes into their camp to give them a reality check, as if to say, Israel, I've been looking after you and giving you life, but you accuse me of giving you death. No, this is what death looks like. Here's a horde of venomous snakes for you to deal with. And Moses was the leader of the Israelites, and he prays for them. And in response, God provides a way for the Israelites to be saved from death when they are dying from the venom by putting a bronze snake up on a pole in the middle of the camp. If anyone is bitten, they can look at the bronze snake and be miraculously saved from death. And they were. I get how the story is, uh, seems super strange, uh, but Jesus uses it because he is giving us a picture. He's pulling back the curtain on what our world is really like. It's as if an evil venom is in our hearts which leads us away from God to death and condemnation and, and we can't save ourselves, we're dying. God gave a bronze snake to save the Israelites, but to us today, God has given us his son, sending him down from heaven to become a man and be lifted up onto a cross and killed. If you like, the venom in your heart was taken into his, and it killed him. The origin story of a Christian is that you have been saved by Jesus when you couldn't save yourself. And you see what you were saved to in verse 15 and 16. It's nothing other than eternal life. It's another way of talking about the kingdom of God we talked about earlier. I said before that the most important question in the world is how we can be born anew by the Holy Spirit. And there we seem to have most of our answer, that the Spirit comes down and gives you new birth because Jesus came down to die for you. It's because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross that the Holy Spirit is sent from above to change your heart and so make you finally alive to God and what he wants for your life. God the Son saves you and God the Holy Spirit applies that salvation to you. Do you see why John 3.16 is such a beloved passage for Christians. It's because it speaks of God's love, is it not? The fact that God has involved all the persons of his being in the act of saving people from death and condemnation shows his love for us in salvation. God has given us himself. There can never be a plan B for the salvation of the world. All God's eggs, if you like, are in this basket alone in the sending of his only son to die on the cross and rise from the dead. However, 
It's only those who believe in Jesus who are saved. This keeps on popping up everywhere in the passage. The, the word belief, it's, it's more than these verses, but verse 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Verse 16, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. When people were bitten by the venomous snakes, all they had to do was look at the bronze snake that was lifted up. It's an image for us of trust in God's salvation. That's what belief is. And very clearly, it's only those who believe who are saved. If an Israelite refused to look at the bronze snake, they would die from the venom. If anyone refuses to look at Jesus... They will not be saved and will be condemned. God asks you to believe in Jesus and be saved. And if you, be, if you do believe, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit has come from above to your heart. Salvation is something that God does from beginning to end. And salvation is not caused by your faith. But faith is the immediate and simultaneous response of the new heart. This is wonderful news Because this means that anybody can be saved. No matter how healthy or sick, young or old, rich or poor, whatever someone's sexual orientation, whatever the way someone identifies as their gender or has identified before, what I'm saying is anyone, anyone, no matter what what, um, identity or or category of life, they can be saved. I, I I think that's an encouraging thought, is it not? And for those of you like me who struggle sometimes to believe, the presence of any faith at all is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Remember, hearts of stone toward God, they they don't respond at all. It's only when the Spirit is at work that we start to see faith begin to bud and blossom within a person. In a world filled with personal failure, suffering, I also find it an encouraging thought that I would not have any struggle of faith at all if God's Spirit were not at work in me. I, I would otherwise simply not believe at all because my heart would just be a heart of stone. But the struggle actually shows God's Spirit is at work. Finally, to conclude, I think there's one more principle Jesus teaches us. Yes, these principles are pretty similar. God can do it, we can't. But the focus is a little different. And this one is, you can't change yourself, but God can. In this final section of our passage, Jesus introduces the image of darkness and light. Darkness represents our natural birth, hearts of stone, follow their own way from God, and have a destiny of death and condemnation. So many people think they are fine without God, fine without Jesus. By all accounts, many people seem to do quite well in Sydney thinking that way. They have have good jobs, uh, they decently love their families and friends, and perhaps they own their own home, all the trappings of success. And because people are doing so well, many people put the burden of proof back on God to show himself more clearly. Why sacrifice anything in my life for a God who may not exist or may not care about me. But verse 19 says, 
It's good, good to read it. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. In final analysis, the real reason why people don't believe is not because of an absence of light, but a love of darkness. Verse 20 concludes that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. The thing is, if, if we follow our hearts, we never open ourselves up to the possibility of change. If we follow our hearts, we can never truly be wrong because our hearts are always right. They must be if my heart is my guide. A, a heart that loves the darkness cannot change itself. It just continues to do its thing. As verse 6 said before, flesh just gives birth to flesh. It's just more of the same. But verse 21 provides a stark contrast. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may, it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. For those who love the darkness, the light exposes their wickedness and evil. But for those who believe in Jesus, who live by the truth, the light exposes something else, something wonderful. It exposes a life filled with change, wrought by God himself. One of the paradoxes of the Christian life is that as we come to the light of Jesus, we begin to learn more about the problems that still persist with our hearts. Sometimes I get so discouraged. Just when I think I'm making progress in one area um, of my life by the Spirit, um, I find myself in other areas having problems that I didn't even realize I had before. Um, I get really discouraged by this. Um, I've grown more patient with people. Praise God. Over the last year, the last two years, that's what God's done in my heart. I've become more patient with people. But I've also realized that I have problems with greed and insecurity about my possessions. I get so discouraged by this. It just seems I'm swamped by my problems with my heart. Sometimes I'm like, I hope you can relate to this. Um, Holy Spirit, are you even working? Hello, God, are you there? Does your gospel work or does it not? God, I thought I would be changing, but it doesn't feel that way. I feel stuck. It feels like Jesus isn't really making a difference in me or the world. What's going on? I wonder if you resonate sometimes with that sentiment. <clears throat> but if that's you, with me, we need to attend to Jesus' words in this passage. That if you trust Jesus, it's evidence that God, by sending Jesus, has done a new thing in you. He has saved you through his Son, and he has birthed in you, by his Holy Spirit, a radical change, so that you have a new spiritual heart and a fresh start with God. If you wonder what God is doing in the world, a lot of people wonder what's God doing in the world. This is what he's doing in the world. He's creating new things in people. He's, people are being born again because of what Jesus has done. And when the light dawns as Jesus returns to bring in his kingdom, the light will expose the grace of God in your life, a life that has been changed wonderfully by God in a world that was otherwise filled with darkness. If you're a Christian, this is your origin story. This is who you are. Even if it's hard for you to see at times, you need to know that God has fixed your heart by his spirit 
God has saved you by his son. And as a result, God is working change in you. In a night's tale, William Thatcher goes from peasant boy to noble knight by following his heart. But in final analysis, now that we have listened to Jesus, the journey from peasant to noble, well, it seems kind of too small a destiny, really. What is, what is a truly wonderful destiny is the journey from darkness to light, condemnation to salvation, from flesh to spirit, from unbelief to belief, from myself and yourself to God, all by God's grace alone. May that story about God's work in and through us capture our imagination more than any fanciful dream. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.